Welcome to My Adventures in Healing, stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. Buckle up for a wild and wacky ride because truth is often stranger than fiction. I'm Jamie, and I will be your guide into the twists and turns of my adventurous life. I'm so glad you're here with me. Let's jump right in. Here we go again. So part two, part deux of this double episode, continuing as I shared last time with this like time of transition, the time of figuring out what was next, how to unwind our relationship, our household, our family, our businesses and professional relationships, like the time of sorting out is what I'm going to focus on today. And I want to start by saying I had some clarity that emerged kind of at the end of that September time frame. You know, I, I shared last time that I had some inklings of what might be next, but I also was starting to embrace this idea of I don't know And that it was okay to not have the answers of what would be next, like big picture for myself. And I I don't remember where I read it. um, And I didn't know at the time, but I remember at the time, this idea coming to me, a memory of having read something that said, and it might have been in a novel, it might have been in an article, I'm I'm not really sure where I got it. But the piece of wisdom was, That when you have a major life change, it's really important not to make any major life decisions like on the heels of that change or in in the midst of deep grief. I think it was in the context of grief that when you're experiencing deep grief and a major change, it's important to also not make any huge like additional major life decisions during that time. And so that kind of came into my awareness. And was guiding me a little bit. Now, what was also guiding me is that earlier that year, so this was 2017, right? We're in like the early October timeframe. I had said to my then husband in like January or February, we were having a conversation and talking about like what we wanted. And I had said something to the effect of, Honestly, what I really want is to take a sabbatical from life. I'm just burned out. Like I'm exhausted. I feel like I need to reset, recharge. I want to take a sabbatical from from my life, from our life, from life. And I had shared it with him in the context of, hey, what if we took some time off? The two of us stepped away to reset, to nourish ourselves, to like just take a break from all the stress that had been alive in our lives And try to reconnect, try to like, you know, get back to centered place, etc. And he had laughed at me and was like, yeah, that's like a pipe dream or whatever, right? And sort of had blown me off, but or, or thought I was kidding, right? Or was saying something facetiously. But I was actually really serious at that time. And so I remembered that conversation during this time frame in this sort of early October time frame. 
So I had this idea in my head of don't make any major life decisions. And I also had this remembrance of, you know, what I really wanted 10 months ago was to just take a break. And remember a few weeks prior when I was on that all-day retreat, I had mapped out this vision around this, like, adventure book I wanted to create. And so the idea came to me, well, what if I took a sabbatical from life? What if I took some time to regroup? What if I took a bit of an adventure and stepped away and did something that would nourish me and fill me up and inspire me? What if that's my something next? And so that idea had started to take root for me of stepping away for a month or two and taking a sabbatical to regroup, to grieve, to, you know, figure my crap out, to put myself back together. Because again, I had had, it had become more and more evident over the past few weeks that maybe there was a lot that was bubbling up that I was starting to see about myself, about my patterns, about my behaviors that needed healing, that needed addressing. And also, you know, all the questions were kind of present and bubbling up under the surface, the things that I had shared with you based on what had happened in 2015 and 2016, these existential questions of like, who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I want to live? So like, all these things were kind of like coming together and forming this soup, if you will, or stew of an idea that was starting to take shape, which was what if I took some time to grieve, to sort myself out, to take a bit of a sabbatical, to be able to then at some point make more life decisions from a place of groundedness and clarity. And so that idea really took root and I decided for whatever reason that I was going to, you know, I, I wanted to take this trip, this adventure, this sabbatical. And what if January was a good time to do that? And during this time, we were also trying to sort through like, logistically, what does separation look like? What does the path to divorce look like? And me... <laughs> Being a bit of a fixer and also being somebody that kind of wanted to like, not control outcomes, but drive outcomes that would be beneficial for me. I knew that my then husband was super stressed with a lot of work stuff. And so I offered, because this was sort of my wheelhouse, financial things, legal things, administrative things, I offered to pull together a draft of a separation agreement to take that off his plate. I would pull it together. I would figure out what the you know laws and rules were and draft something up for us to look at and navigate through. And because we had, we were partners in two businesses and as a result of our marriage, you know, I, we lived in a state that was a community property state in North Carolina because as a result of our marriage, we also had his initial business. There were things to sort out and I had owned a house when we got together. So there were 
all these like business and property and logistical things, a home, assets, multiple vehicles. I think at the time, because of the business, we had eight or 10 vehicles, a variety of different things. You know, we had two or three businesses. There was a lot to sort through logistically, financially, et cetera. I said, well, I'll take a stab at drafting this out. And one of the things that had come to me from a simplicity sake was that if we dated our separation, like our official separation, at the end of the year, the end of the calendar year, so December 31st of 2017, if we use that as our um, our date, that it would make it easier for us with the logistics of separating the businesses if it was, you know, sort of on this calendar year, fiscal year cycle. Uh, so we had talked about that. We were in alignment with that. I had conferred with our accountant and business lawyers with that. There were lots of reasons why that made sense. And so, like... There was really not just this, like, from a personal standpoint, but also from a logistical, financial, and professional perspective, this idea that the remainder, the last quarter of 2017 would become this time of transition and our paths would really start to go, become separate officially in January of 2018. And so that was kind of in my head, right? And so I was thinking about taking this sabbatical and adventure and taking time for myself, January aligned with those other things that were kind of happening in the background. And so that was kind of like the guiding principle that I was moving forward with, that I was going to take some time to myself starting in January and that the next three months, October, November, December, of the end of 2017 was going to be focused on this period of wrapping up, transition, separation, untangling things, figuring out what's next. And at that time, as I shared previously, I was working in our family business. And so we had a couple conversations. My then husband said, hey, you know, I'm I don't want to be married to you anymore, but you are a valued business partner. I would love to be in business with you. Do you want to continue to be in business together? And I had to take some time to think about that. And as I sat with it and thought about it, I realized that for me, I was his business partner and we were in business together because we were life partners. But like the businesses that we ran weren't necessarily what I would have chosen for myself independently. And I didn't, I, I had become aware of the fact that we didn't really work well together. We had different, I think, values and perspectives around business, around customer care, around customer management, around what we were producing and so like tuning into myself and asking myself what I wanted, which was sort of this new concept for me, but like really being like, okay, I have a choice to make here. This is a choice point. Do I want to be in business with him if our life partnership is ending? Do I want to continue this business relationship? And the answer for me was no. 
I don't. That, that our business relationship was really a result of the life relationship. And if the life partnership was changing, then I didn't desire to be in business together. But as I was working through the laws, the, the planning around the separation of financial assets, what have you, it became apparent that he would need to buy me out of the businesses that we had together if we were going to separate and take different paths and if I was no longer going to be involved in the business he would need to buy me out in order for our financial separation to be appropriate and equitable and for us to walk away the way we needed to and so I realized that it might take him some time to do that because small businesses, you know, have limited cash flow. And so I was working on, you know, what that buyout timeline might look like, what it might mean. And so I also realized that it would be beneficial for me from a risk management standpoint to stay on as an advisor to him in the business on the board of directors for a period of time while we were in the midst of that professional buyout. So I was starting to like balance these things and realize what do I want? I don't really want to be involved professionally together. I don't want this partnership, but he does need to buy me out. He's not going to be able to buy me out day one. It's going to need to occur over time. And I want to provide some risk management, provide some strategy insight to help protect his ability, quite frankly, to buy me out. So there might need to be some guidance and advising over time. And also I had the realization that he did desire me to be his business partner because I brought certain strategic professional wisdom and insights to the table that he didn't have. And so it would be beneficial for him and for me, again, from this risk management perspective, to try to share some of those insights and perspectives in an advisory role, not in an executing role over time. And so that's kind of some of the stuff that we started to establish and set up during this time frame. But I also needed to figure out what to do about my day-to-day responsibilities because I was a key member of the team. I had become one over the past year and a half and had a lot of responsibilities, a mixture of things that needed to get sorted out, work I needed to wrap up, tasks that needed to get documented so that I could hand them off to other people because it was really important for me. This has always been a guiding principle for me of how I live my life, but it was particularly important in this circumstance. I believe in leaving circumstances better than we find them, right? And so I didn't want to leave his business with this gap or this hole or have things sort of like fall apart because of me. So I needed some time to kind of like organize some of the things I was doing, document stuff, hand them over to other people, provide coaching and guidance and training. And so he and I discussed this and what we decided was it would make sense for me to continue to be on salary through the end of that 2017 calendar year, which would give me some financial stability during that time as I was making plans and 
and decisions about what would move forward. We were continuing to live in the house together, share the house. And I was then focused on these business activities of transition in addition to transition activity, like making, trying to figure out what's next for me. Like, what do I want to do about a home? And do I want to get a job or what have you? And again, what kept coming to me was don't make any major decisions. Don't make any major commitments. Don't make any major purchases. Take some time for yourself. So this time frame was me navigating through how do I unwind my professional involvement? How do we set up agreement and alignment around separation, unwinding things financially in a way that feels good to everybody and doesn't involve contention and debate and lawyers because that was something we both wanted to avoid if possible. And then how do I take this time to step away in January, take some time for myself, regroup, and then from that point, figure out what's next. And so that was really like kind of guiding me. That was my short-term plan for those three months that I was kind of operating within. And having that short-term plan really helped me not stress out about not knowing what my long-term plan was. And that was really supportive. It was really helpful for me to say, I don't know what I want long-term. I'm not going to be able to figure out what I want long-term right now because I'm stressed and overwhelmed and I just need a break. I'm going to give myself a break in January. And up until that time, what I need to focus on is how to unravel these things, transition, tie this stuff up so that I can then go take this break, feel supported, and then from that point, figure out what's next. What that meant, though, is that those three months, we were working together. We were still living together, right? Like we were interacting in a lot of ways day to day. And I was still daily confronted with all these insights and emotions and feelings of loss and discovery and discomfort and disappointment that were bubbling up constantly. Now, once we shared our plan with people at work, with our families, we were able to make some changes like in the business that helped. We were able to make some shifts Things like giving my office to his sister, changing our role definition a little bit, focusing on my role becoming a transition role, and then I would hand things off, me stepping back a little bit from some of major decisions and deferring to other people making decisions, being able to kind of like work with the plan that we'd laid out and make some adjustments really helped. But as you can imagine, it wasn't just like at home. It was many hours during the day. I was bumping into him. I was having meetings with him. I was seeing him and feeling the awkwardness, the rejection, the hurt, the disappointment, the sadness, the frustration of everything that was unfolding. So you might ask like, 
that, you know, that's a lot. How on earth were you managing that during that time? At the time, I didn't feel like I was managing it great, but I'd never really been through that. So I didn't have a huge frame of comparison. Well, actually, that's not true. In my 20s, I had a major breakup with a guy that I'd been dating and we worked together. So I did actually have one experience to draw from that was super helpful. And what I had done during that experience in my 20s, um, because we were on the same team and so we were often in team meetings together and it was the first time I'd really kind of had to deal with that situation, I had a tool that I did you know, had stumbled upon that I used in my 20s that I actually revisited during this time. And what it was is sort of like having an an online journal. And so what I did was I had like a Word document that I kept on my computer. And like anytime I sort of like felt overwhelmed or had a bunch of stuff bubble up, the kind of stuff that you would like feel inclined to like lash out with or say or need to vent or purge, I would just kind of like type it into the document and get it out, you know, sort of like a real time journal for venting. I had first discovered that technique in my 20s when I was dating the other guy. And I remember bringing that out again not the same document, obviously, but, you know, revisiting that tool um, during these few months with my divorce. So that was one thing, the drawing on my past that I started using again. The other thing that happened sort of organically that I'm super grateful for and was a really kind of like important aha for me during this time, you know, once we'd shared with people what was going on, I I shared with a bunch of my different close friends what was happening. And one friend in particular, our schedules aligned in such a way that she had a drive from, she was an hour behind me schedule-wise, and she would be driving from her house into her office after she dropped her daughter off. And so she got into the habit of not every day, but at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week, she'd give me a call on her drive in to work just to kind of check with me. And it was often kind of nine-ish in the morning, my time. And was really helpful for some reason, that timing, because, you know, we, it's like the new work day had started. We interacted a bit. It was kind of like the shock of dealing with each other day to day and here was this friend kind of calling to check in. And so I would get get my coffee from the little market, be doing some work stuff. I'd take her call. I'd step outside and just kind of have this check-in process with her. And again, it wasn't daily, but it was a couple times a week. And just knowing that somebody understood that what I was navigating was difficult and was there and available if I needed them was so helpful and so powerful. And I love to, and this is the type of person she is, and she knows this because I've thanked her for this repeatedly. I love that she just called me regardless of whether I asked her to or whether I needed her to. Like, it made it easy for me to lean into it without asking for it. 
And I started to see the value of leaning into my friends more. And so I also started reaching out to my various friends more. And I kind of described this time frame as my phone a friend time frame. Um, I remember having a, a phone conversation, venting, sharing with another friend. And she said to me, well, you know, it seems like you, you actually have it pretty well together. And I said, well, that's because, you know, I only talk to you once a week. I said, but there's like eight of you that I talk to and I rotate through each friend. You know, I don't call the same person every day. So you only hear how, how messy I am and what a mess I am like once a week or once every 10 days but I'm getting support daily or multiple times a day. And we laughed about it, but it was true, right? Like I didn't want to be a burden to any one person too much, but I also realized and acknowledged how helpful it was for me to have somebody to chat with, somebody to share with, a place for these feelings and thoughts to go, or sometimes just to know that somebody cared and again, understood how difficult this was. And so that was something that kind of unfolded organically during this time. But as I noticed how helpful it was, I leaned into it more and more, which was talking to someone that loved and cared for me daily um, and sharing how hard it was being real letting myself be seen in the discomfort and the complexity of how hard this was and how hard it felt. And what was really nourishing about that for me was in doing that, right? Like I was able to share these things and keep myself from lashing out at him. Because again, like I shared in previous um, episodes, I really desired to stay in this place of compassion and honor his truth, which was he didn't want to be with me and simultaneously honor how hard that was for me. And I didn't want to punish him for what he felt. And I still needed to acknowledge what I was feeling. So leaning into my friendships was so helpful and I also realized how much my friends um, appreciated being able to be there for me. And the beautiful result, right, silver lining, gold lining, platinum lining from this was, and I realized this in the coming weeks, I had one relationship and a major one, right? My, my marriage, my life partnership was ending, but as a result of that, seven or eight of my other relationships were really strengthened during this time. And noticing that, um, feeling that, acknowledging that, being grateful for that, that really helped me navigate through this as well. So it wasn't just like having the friends be there to support me. It was also the benefit of our relationships being strengthened, you know, it was strengthened by the fact that I let them help me. I let myself be needed. I let myself receive the love, the wisdom, the care, the concern that they had to offer. And I don't know that I'd really done that very much before in our relationships. I had to some degree, but not to the extent that occurred during this time frame. 
and also hearing from my friends, right? Like how much they loved me, how much they appreciated me, how much they respected and admired me and how I was navigating through that. That was really helpful, right? Like it's really easy when we're going through these times of transition, it would have been easy for me to focus on, you know, him not loving me anymore, the feeling of rejected, being not good enough. And those feelings were there. And those feelings were balanced out so much by all the love and support that I allowed myself to receive from those other friends. And that love then offered me another perspective beyond the rock bottom feeling of the failure of the marriage, right? And that other perspective was super helpful and just super nourishing. So you can imagine we're navigating day to day. We're still living together. We were still sharing a master suite. Luckily, our bed was a super huge king-size bed, so we each kind of had our own quarters or corners of the bed. But we're still sharing, you know, intimate morning routines and navigating in the same space and getting dressed together. And, And so for me, I don't know what that felt like for him, you know, but I can imagine that um, you know, he desired this chapter of our life to be closed. So I'm sure seeing me daily wasn't super enjoyable if he just wanted to be done. And for me, seeing him daily, interacting with him daily, kind of going through the motions of our home life without much change was this constant reminder of what I couldn't have, right? Like what was lost. Um, And that was super painful. So it became evident to me that I needed something to change with in that respect. I needed to not be living together anymore. But I didn't want, I wasn't ready to, I didn't want to kick him out of the house, right? Like that didn't feel aligned to me. I wasn't sure I wanted the house. I wasn't sure what was next. I wasn't interested in making major decisions around what was next. I didn't want to get a new place to live because again, I wasn't making major decisions. So I was trying to figure out how do we make this shift? You know, I need more space, but I'm not interested in establishing a neck another household yet because I don't I don't really know what I want. So the solution that came to me was that we had been remodeling the upstairs of our house and sort of turning it into like a an extra bedroom space, guest space, bonus room, game room, office space for me. But it also it had a little kitchenette space and it had a full bathroom. And so it was like, oh, well, that could be like a kind of a temporary apartment space. Hmm. Now, it wasn't quite finished. There was about a week or two's worth of additional punch work and finalization that was needed. 
So I kind of had this idea of, you know, it would really just help me make a break. Like, I just need, like, again, fresh air, fresh perspective. I had been talking with a girlfriend of mine. She and her husband sort of lived in our same neighborhood, but closer to some of the bars and restaurants in walking distance. We were kind of talking about stuff, and I shared, you know, this challenge And she said, well, what if you came to stay with us in our guest room for a couple weeks while you were waiting for the upstairs space to be be complete? How would that feel? And there was just this deep sense inside of me as I tuned into it of it just felt like this breath of fresh air. And so I made that decision to do that. And there was a part of me, sort of like this snarky part of me, Um, you know, the wounded part that had felt rejected that had this idea of I'm just going to pack everything up. Um, My then husband was away for like a couple days on a business trip. I was just going to pack everything up and he'd come back and I'd be gone and he'd deal with, you know, whatever feelings that me might bring up, right? Like, so there was this part of me that was like, I'm going to pack up, I'm going to go stay with a friend and he's going to have to deal with the absence of me. And it was this very like wounded part of me that was kind of like the really the rejected part of me that wanted to know, is he going to miss me? Right? Like, is he going to notice that I'm gone? Did I make an impact? Right? And I think that's such a, you know, human reaction. So he was off on this business trip. I was packing stuff up pulling my clothes out of our closet and putting stuff upstairs for when that space was going to be done, packing up what I was going to need for these two, two and a half weeks at at our friend's house, talked with our daughters and kind of shared with them the plan and that I just needed some space, wanted them to understand they did and was getting ready to make this shift. And when it came down to it, I thought about how would I feel If I came home and he had packed up and was gone without telling me. And it just didn't, it just didn't feel aligned for me. It just didn't feel in alignment with my integrity and how I wanted to comport myself. And, you know, that guiding question of how do I want to show up in this? It just didn't feel right. So I ended up texting him and giving him a heads up and saying, hey, look, you're going to come home. You're not going to see my stuff. I've made arrangements to go spend a couple weeks with with so-and-so. I just need some time and space. It's too much. It's too hard for me day-to-day sharing the bedroom space and everything. You know, we're waiting for the upstairs to be finished. I'll plan to move up there. But I I just need some breathing room because it's too much here at home and at work. And I just need to honor my needs. And that was really different for me. It was different to share that honestly. I was really glad that I tuned in and listened to my inner wisdom and did it that way instead of letting this sort of like rejected hurt part of me lead the way. It felt much more like this is who I want to be. Even if I'm hurt, even if I'm wounded, I don't want to show up from a wounded place. But also just 
like advocating for my own needs, not sucking up and dealing with it, which had been sort of my mode through most of my life. Like that was really a departure for me to ask myself what's best for me, what would be good for me. And again, allowing myself to say yes to our friends who offered space and allowing myself to potentially be an inconvenience, right? Um, But allowing myself to lean in and lean on other people who were offering me space. That was different for me. And it felt so good. And I remember the day I kind of like moved into their guest room and unpacked and laid down to just kind of like process what I was feeling and cry, right? Like, because it was a lot to, to leave my house, right? Like that was felt like such a big experience um, based on what was going on. And it felt so good. The spaciousness, the space to just be and feel and not also be worried so much about what other people was feeling, right? Despite the fact that I had this desire to be compassionate for everybody and to hold space for everybody, that was exhausting and that was draining. And it felt like it was nonstop because it was at home and at work all day. I needed a break and I needed my own space that felt like a bit of a sanctuary and a getaway. And so that was a really important decision and gift that I gave myself those few weeks away to just be me for a few hours a day and not worry about anybody else's stuff and not worry about anything else that everybody else was feeling. And, and, be focused solely on being compassionate to myself. And so that's one of the things that I did. And it it made a huge difference for me. That was kind of the middle of October. Um, That was just like a real shift for me. Uh, And I'm so glad that the insight and the wisdom came through to do that. One of the other things that happened during this time, and I can't quite remember the order of operations. It might have been before I decided to take this time and move out, probably. And I'm sharing it because sometimes the things that are helpful are the are not the things we would expect. So, you know, I think I was still holding out before I you know, took the time away and moved out to our friend's house for a couple of weeks, I was probably still holding on to some hope and some perspective that if I get my crap together, if I do better, if I show him what he's missing, if I fix the stuff that's wrong with me, maybe we can fix this. And I think that that was a lot of like patterning, you know, this sense of I don't want to be a failure I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be rejected. Like there was this driving probably rooted in childhood part of me that was like, if I fix it, if I do better, they won't leave me. They won't stop loving me. Right. Like I can definitely looking back, see that, that it was rooted in that. It wasn't rooted in intentionally. What do I desire? It was very much this sort of like 
deeper child part of me that was feeling this rejection and was like, well, maybe if I do X, Y, Z, it'll be better. And, you know, they'll want to be with me again. So that was still like active within me. And I still had hope, I guess, around our relationship, around fixing it, repairing it, what have you. Well, something happened and it happened innocently and accidentally enough. And I'm kind of embarrassed to share it because it's not something like it's not in alignment with how I generally comport myself and my, you know, what's important to me from an integrity and character standpoint. But it it unfolded accidentally um, initially. And then I continued to um, do something that I'm not really proud of, but I'm also glad that I did. So what happened was, you know, we, we had this business together. We worked together. We had Apple computers and iPads and telephones for all our business stuff. So everything was linked. And if you've had, um, and this might be true on PCs as well, though I can't remember because I've become an Apple person for a long time now. But um, if you've ever had, you know, shared accounts across devices and stuff, you know that there's shared passwords and things. Well, I knew my then husband's passwords, right? Like, because often needed to get on his work computer to look for something or to, you know, check on something, right? So like, you know, we were in a marriage up to this point. We knew each other's passwords. We knew how to get into stuff. There wasn't like any real reason for secrecy. So I, there was something happened one day. He was offsite, not in the office. And I needed to go into his office to look for a document on his computer that for whatever reason wasn't on our network drive, but I needed something in order to respond to a a client or a customer or what have you. So again, this is how it unfolded innocently. I went in, got on his computer, found what I needed. And while I was sitting there, this is the not innocent part and the part I'm not proud of. I think what happened was he got a text from somebody like, And it popped up on the screen because he had his texts activated on the computer. And so it was a text from a friend. And, you know, the text caught my eye and I read it. And then, you know, sort of that like snarky part of myself or the the rebel or the curious, inquisitive I want to know what's going on part was like, ooh, I have access to his texts. Hmm, I wonder what's going on in his life, right? Like, I, you know, if you've been through a divorce or a major relationship rupture, and we were probably at this point a few weeks or a month in, there can be this, when you're starting to live independent lives and paths, this desire to, like, know what's really going on with the other person because you're not in the know anymore, and there's, And that definitely bubbled up. And so I sat there and I read through his texts and his text history. And again, this is something that goes against my integrity. Like I'm someone who believes in privacy and believes in consent. And I broke my normal rules of behavior um, and did something that is completely out of character in doing that. 
and as human, right? Like when we're going through these major life changes and feeling all these things, we do sometimes do things that are out of character. Now you might be curious, why am I so grateful that I did that? right? Like, and why did I do it again? I didn't just do it one time. I did it multiple times. I happened to read some exchanges between him and one of his best guy friends. And the exchanges went back over several months. And I read my then husband's frustration, anger, irritation, and disdain for me and how long that had been present for him. Now that was painful to read. And I, of course, right, burst into tears and was ashamed and embarrassed and felt awful. And it was good for me to read. Like not good in the sense of it felt good, but good in the sense of it, it killed some of that hope that had been alive and present. It helped me see how angry and frustrated um, and disdainful. Like, I use that word intentionally because, like, I could read in his texts, like, even though there's not emotion that, you know, there is in context and energy, I could read that in the exchange And he was really bitter and really angry about me, about our life, around things that had unfolded in ways that he hadn't fully shared with me, right? Like we're often more authentic and transparent with some of our close friends. And seeing that like brutal honesty in text exchange between him and his friend was a big splash of cold water in the face that helped me realize that we were, that the, the done was more done and more baked than maybe I knew and that there was no going back, right? Like that this was really over. And also like he'd been feeling this way for a really long time and not shared it with me. Like that wasn't okay with me right? Like, even if he didn't feel like he could share with me, which is indicative of a larger issue in our relationship, talking about me that way to somebody else and not giving me the opportunity to fix it with him really bothered me and showed me a massive disconnect of values between us that helped me close the door. So while I don't advocate for invading people's privacy and going and reading their private messages. And I wouldn't have done that intentionally necessarily. I'm grateful for the circumstances that unfolded where I broke my own rules and I saw and heard or saw and read and came face to face with the truth, his truth again, um, so that I had more of the full picture. So that was a perspective shift that was really helpful for me, even though it was also really hurtful. Um, And I think if I'm remembering correctly, that might have come before I decided to move out. I think me pulling the trigger on some space may have resulted from like understanding that there was no going back. And so it would lead to this spaciousness and separation of 
personal space that would help me start to move forward more intentionally. So as I think about this time, right, and some of the tools that he used, again, I don't advocate for um, invading people's privacy, but I do think that, like, honesty, um, even when it feels brutal or harmful or hurtful, can be helpful in order to figure out, you know, what's the real landscape? Like, what's really the circumstances? And where should I be focusing right now? Um, I started to focus more on what's best for me. What do I want? How do I move forward? I definitely was leaning into my friends more, allowing them to support me, allowing a lot of them to support me, allowing myself to be supported and heard and witnessed and acknowledging that it was a lot what I was navigating through and I didn't need to go through all of it on my own. I was still seeing my therapist during this time and I remember having a really important conversation with her because I felt kind of guilty, right? Like I'm, I was working in this time in her business trying to focus on these transition activities and handing stuff off to people. But I was also right, like taking calls from friends and processing what I was feeling and taking walks and, you know, dancing it out. I talked about that last time or taking breaks for photography. So it it felt there was a part of me that felt like I'm not very productive each day, right? There's, There's this noise of emotion. There's this noise of distraction. And I'm I'm taking care of myself for the first time, but there was also a part of me that felt guilty about that, that I wasn't showing up as fully day-to-day at work. Um, And so I was sharing that with my therapist, and she said something that was so helpful. She said, you know, we don't really think about this in our culture, but healing is work too. She's like, I know you feel like you're not spending as many hours on your work stuff, but you are because these conversations, these tools that you're using, how you're supporting yourself, how how you're caring for yourself, that is healing work and that is important. And we don't think about that from a productivity measure, but we need to. And that perspective shift really helped me as I moved forward, and it's something I continue to think about today, you know, the the time and energy we invest in our healing is work and is productive and is valuable and is important. And those choices I was making to take those calls from my friends, to vent, to process, to take the walks, to put on a song and process my feelings, to write out what I was feeling or experiencing or how I needed to vent in that Word document, to take time for creative play. Like all those choices were helping me show up the way I wanted to for my kiddos, for him, for myself. That was what helped me navigate through this really tricky time of transition in alignment with my own values 
and in in this like energy of compassion and love, but I had to give that compassion and love to myself. And the time I spent doing those healing activities was part of that. So that's where I want to stop today. And I guess how I would title this time of transition is that this was a time of perspective pivots for me. And these perspective pivots were really helpful, right? Talking to my friends and sharing with them offered perspective pivots. It offered me to hear things about myself that balanced out some of the things that I was feeling. The moving out and creating spaciousness for a few weeks offered me a perspective pivot. It allowed me to exhale and to take time just for me when I wasn't navigating everybody's feelings all at once. And that was a really helpful perspective pivot. And even breaking my own rules and reading his private messages and kind of not being in full alignment with my own integrity and reading that his truth in that sort of like brutally honest way was a helpful perspective pivot for me because it helped me let go of hope and holding on to this idea that maybe I could fix things and helped me shivit, sh- shivit, shift slash pivot forward into, okay, like I need to let this go. What's next, right? And then the perspective pivot too of, I don't have to figure out all the answers. What if I just focus on this short term, this time of transition, and then I'm going to step away and reset and take a bit of a pause and a break and grieve and heal and then figure out what's next. That was a massive perspective pivot for me. The perspective pivot that I didn't need to have all the answers right now for everything that was coming next, but I could take it in these short little bites, um, these incremental plans of figuring out what's next. That was a massive shift for me. And it was so helpful. So that's where I'm going to end today. And next time, I'm going to talk about how I was preparing for that sabbatical, that adventure, that break in January, and kind of the theme that started to emerge. And actually, I'm going to share it with you today because it's super juicy and what would start guiding me forward, it kind of came to me during this time, was this sort of like cheeky idea that, okay, my life has blown up and all that surrounds me is the shrapnel of what it, what was. Well, what if my path forward is figuring out how to make a beautiful mosaic from the shrapnel of my life? And that would become the sort of like mantra and perspective that I would use as I moved forward in November, December, and ultimately as I started my adventures in January. How do I make a mosaic from the shrapnel of my life? So that's where we're going to pause today and sending you so much love. And I'm so grateful that you spent time with me again. I hope you've enjoyed today's stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. 
If any of what you heard today resonates with you and you desire to explore any of the themes further or to be in community and connection, bonus content is available to you. Tips, tools, resources, connection, and more. Visit my website, adventuresinhealing.co and follow the prompts for behind-the-scenes podcast access and bonus content. You will also find information on how to connect with me directly and the mentoring services and programs I offer. My life has become an adventure in healing, discovery, and aliveness, and yours can too. I hope to connect with you soon. Much love, and please remember, live your adventure because you are the magic.